Right, what's cracking, lovely people? Welcome back to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast, episode 180. I'm your host, Matt Gardner. I'm a performance nutritionist by trade. I have a background in health coaching. I'm also a nutritional therapist. My work is grounded in uh, sports nutrition, where I started working in rugby union and adventure and endurance sports, ultramarathon running, alpinists, uh, supporting them as well for expeditions. And more recently, I've worked in digital healthcare, corporate wellness, supporting health span and blood sugar levels through nutrition interventions, exercise interventions. I'm a food fanatic. I love some outdoor fizz and do me a solid. If you like the show, please share it with someone. It's really the only way the show will grow. I pop the show up on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, Leave me a review if you can as well. So just go on to the link in my bio um, on the Instagram or um, via the the show, uh, look at the show notes and you'll find it in there and do me a solid, rate me, uh, add a review and it just helps more people find the show. 33 Fuel support the show and they produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products so you can get 10% off your first order by using Matt10 at checkout. They have some fantastic natural sports nutrition based products. I'm talking about a greens powder. They have a new product in, a meal replacement shake. They also have chia seed energy gels, energy bars, protein bars. I've used their energy drink, their uh, gels as well during my ultramarathon races. Everything tastes great. It sits well with me. It's natural. So take a look. Okay, in today's episode, I'm speaking with Tom Joseph Sparks. So you can find him as uh, Sparks Power Fitness on Instagram. And Tom holds a master's in osteopathic medicine. So Tom went to become head of performance for a specialist pain clinic and lead osteopath for a great British sprint uh, training group. Here, Tom supported a number of athletes with their strength and conditioning and physical therapy. And many athletes have gone on to uh, national places and titles, uh, some with recent success at Olympic Games in Tokyo. Um, Tom's passion for a broader approach to health and well-being has led to study, like I said earlier, a master's degree in nutritional uh, medicine. Uh, He hopes to further to be able to basically help his patients as much as he can with treatments and outcomes and overall health and well-being. So massive variety in Tom's background. I can't wait to have a conversation with him. He's come highly regarded as well. Um, He's got uh, powerlifting, uh, Olympic weightlifting as hobbies, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, gymnastics, running. So let's get into our conversation with Tom. Tom, welcome to the show, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me on. No, it's, br- it's brilliant to have a conversation. You come well regarded from a, a close friend and then looking into your background. <laughs> yes. um, I'll, uh, I'll have to say thank you for saying for that. He's probably been too kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, he's great. And oh, he's he's been into so many different things over the years, rugby, athletics. Um, but he, he's thorough. So when he said that you're worth having a conversation with, I obviously looked into what you were doing on social media and things. And then especially with a bit of the bio that we went through and the listeners kind of getting a hold of a, a broad brushstroke of what you do. And before we started recording, I was asking about your varied background and things. So, um, yeah, it'd be brilliant to start at the beginning, mate, with, with your relationship to health and fitness and how how you got into the industry. Because there's a lot of strands we can go down um, and, and the osteopath side the you know your own your own kind of performance with your weightlifting and everything all the content but it'd be brilliant to just get a kind of picture into how it all began for you working in health and fitness and performance 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I started in, in the fitness space first. I think most people probably do this. It's a definitely an easier entry, right? Um, at the time, uh, school, you know, in terms of A-levels and stuff, kind of, I, I wasn't gelling with the school environment. I very much wanted to get out and, and do stuff. I've always been very active. Um, and to be fair, my mum was quite brave when I said, look, I, I don't really want to do my uh, secondary A-levels. I want to... So get stuck in and work and I want to go and train as a, as a trainer and things like that. So took that leap and, um, you know, after a couple of years in the fitness sort of industry, kind of, you know, going through the traditional sort of ranks and stuff and, you know, UCPDs and doing a bit weightlifting and um, UKCA stuff and that kind of route, um, I then kind of ended up bumping into sort of one of my mentors um, clinically, um, my, my osteopathic mentor, Andrew Nicoletos, who's a, a weapon of a guy, uh, to be honest, he's doing his PhD currently. Um, and he was uh, he was an osteopath and, you know, I was training quite hard then. I was very much into powerlifting quite early on. And, um, you know, I had a few little issues, saw him and that he kind of really opened my eyes to almost performance therapy. I, I almost didn't see osteo- osteopathy as just like a, and manual therapy, the way that he was sort of approaching using his manual skills with his, um, you know, technical skills from a coaching perspective really ticked a box for me. Um, and then my decision to go towards osteopathy as my chosen therapy, say, versus physio or Cairo and, you know, all the other potential opportunities out there, um, I felt very comfortable in the exercise space at that time. And I think, you know, when I was a bit younger, I kind of thought, you know, physio had um a natural association with you know very clinical but a very exercise uh, prescriptive basis so i thought you know i feel like i had those skills so manual therapy um bias towards sort of osteo kind of gave me that sense ah uh, that's kind of the direction that i wanted to go so then i uh then i went off to uni and, and did that um did my masters um really as a course it was quite quite interesting I think you've got you know two camps I think you've probably got that in every um, fitness or physical um, therapy profession where you've got very um, you know grounded in the philosophy of wherever that came from and, and you know traditional osteopathy very structural very you know mechanical um, in terms of this focus and then you've got very forward thinking clinicians who are a bit more you know, get up off the couch and, you know, grounded in, in sort of um, exercise and, and, and pain, some more modern pain science. Um, so when you're at uni, you've, you've got tutors who equally sit both sides of so that creative, its own unique dynamic. Um, and I very much wanted to do my own thing. <laughs> so I feel like in some ways I kind of did my own master's degree. Um, and then I went off to the Gray Institute in America um, and did their sort of 40 week uh, internship with them. And um, what I love about the Gray Institute is while it can be, direct, it can appear outwardly as a bit hippie, um, I think if, you, if you're not, if you don't necessarily appreciate perhaps where it's coming from, I actually think how they um, break down um, assessment and really appreciate things from a bit more of a real world perspective, um, it kind of, gave me an opportunity to use that as inspiration and blend it with my exercise and, and, and sort of physical therapy background. And that gave me so much more um, in terms of my ability to train or treat anyone. 
Um, and then, yeah, I just kind of had a good run in clinical practice. Um, I kind of went the, I think sometimes you do think sport uh, when you're early doors, you think that's the, the, you know, the best, the pinnacle. Um, so I was definitely in sports of pedics kind of early on. Um, and worked with some really cool sports med doctors. Um, and then I got involved with a GB sprint team, which is really fun to sort of work with athletes and, um, but I had my own frustrations in that context as well. Like I had, it was great because I thought, you know, here we are, we're in sport, you know, you're seeing people perform, you're trying to help people perform better. But then you, you kind of learn the politics of sport and sports medicine as a team, lots of cooks in the kitchen, you're only employed to do a, a bit of a role. Um, and there's mixed messages and it's, it's quite difficult to navigate. I, I always felt very, I was always wrestling with what I knew was probably the right thing but if you've got a strength conditioning coach saying something different and then you've got a technical coach saying something different you have to kind of really be careful um and then i sort of did a bit of a sidestep i actually moved to edinburgh uh just to change things up and i actually got back into fitness initially um just to facilitate a move to be honest um you know in terms of uh you know security financially things like that um then unfortunately i had a bit of family tragedy my mum passed away and that kind of brought me back um down south and again just stayed in fitness just from uh, a mental space i find fitness way easier um in terms of how much i've got to give people um day to day and then i've kind of migrated back into clinical practice again um but very much um in a, in a scenario where I'm working finally with uh, a group of people that share the same sort of vision of health. And I think, like I was saying to you, so before we started, I've, I've always struggled um, with my identity in, in sort of um, this professional space in health, if we use healthcare as a bracket, just because I've got, you know, you know 13 years now in, in sort of exercise and s and I've got seven years post-grad, um, in clinical practice I'm doing a nutritional medicine masters at Surrey you know so I very much want to I don't whenever I see a patient yeah they might see me for you know MSK and I'll certainly keep it MSK but I'm someone like you that can probably appreciate broader aspects of health and I want to be able to do that and I've never been able to find clinics that can really um, allow me to do that um, so yeah I'm working with Gemma Fisher, she's um, a bit of a pioneer in um, human performance in sort of pit crews and stuff in Formula One. I'm not sure if you've heard of her. Um, so I'm working with her uh, clinic in Pangborn and she's very much of the same mindset. So we get an opportunity where at that clinic it's very much integrated care. It's very much, you know, physical therapy, nutritional therapy, training, and we kind of do what needs to be done for, the, for, that, for that person. And then I'm in like a bit more of a traditional um, osteopathic setup, um, but it's it's more about you know flexibility and so forth. I've got about three weeks until I'm a, until I'm a dad, so uh, it's very much trying to allow time and to be around and things like that. So that's my condensed sort of uh, last 13, 14 years. Yeah, that's fantastic, fantastic. So you know you're someone that's obviously opening to 
to learning the the, the mentor the internship because i've kind of take, taken a few bullet points down just to reflect on that and then um, yeah. what rings true to me is just you being able to harness your your knowledge and 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 just um focus on what's practical i think was a was a big one for me listening to some of that um and then like you said the uh, the the team the multidisciplinary team that that um rings true to your vision of health was interesting because um and you know you see a lot of these jobs in in uh, high performance and and you know you hear right i'm a sports nutritionist i work with snc i work with physio i work with cbt and it all sounds really exciting but like you said sometimes they can clash and there's not a lot of contact time with each with each kind of uh, coach if we can just call them that or practitioner or team doctor and then if there's large squads i was the same as you growing up i was like i want to work in sports and then when i got there it was well nutrition maybe 10 years ago it was taken probably off a different angle to where it is now but um yeah i i found frustrations in those environments as well mate so it was uh, a really eye-opening really eye-opening but yeah the human performance clinic you're in at the moment just sounds uh yeah it just sounds fantastic you've got so much energy about what you do so so now kind of a typical week if we fast forward to a typical week for the listener are you are you are you in <coughs> one or two places um, seeing people, you know, working yeah, on them yeah. practically. I know you've got some, you know, you offer coaching and things. We can get into that too. Do you do you do remote work or do you do everything face to face? How how does a kind of typical week, if there is one, work for you now? Yeah, it's 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 a good question because it's something that's evolved over time. Um, and I think you know perhaps with you know if I'm thinking you know selfishly, right? My own historical frustrations with the industry is one. The, the fact that I'm about to be a dad is is another. There's, you know, maybe different scenario, different time. I might be doing something slightly different. Um, and then, you know, in terms of the practicalities of being a dad in the way that I want to be a dad. So it's a bit of time and a bit of where I'm at in my life, but also making sure that I like what I do. And um, I don't, you know, it's like professional fulfillment is something that I think anyone who really cares about a profession needs. Otherwise, you just feel miserable i think it's quite a lonely industry sometimes and i think you've got to check yourself in that regard but a week in general um i've set up um again and this is very reflective of the fact that i want to be a present dad um but i'm doing a sort of full evening um sort of monday tuesday and they and that straddles two different clinics one is the sort of more integrated perspective clinic where we get more time with patients, you know, treat, you know, treatment slots can be, a, you know, an hour and a half, which is amazing. You don't usually get the opportunity to do that. Um, depending on the, the clinic, you know, they might have a bit more of a, a business model, which is absolutely fine, you know, where it's a bit more 30 minute, something like that. And now what can, what can you really um, give to someone in that time? Um, it, 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 you know, it might be limited in comparison, right? So, that's a great platform for me and I really enjoy uh, that clinical setup for sure because it, it allows me to use all of my skills. Um, and then the other clinic is very much, is a, is a lovely clinic. The people, well, it's almost like all the patients I meet at that clinic are lovely. Um, and just a slightly different environment, um, but it's just a bit more of a streamlined version of, of what I can probably do. Um, they don't have a, a gym or an exercise space, so it, it slightly narrows the, the field, but I still, still do a lot. And then I kind of flitter between the two clinics, to be honest, over the week. Um, I do a longer or longer day on a Wednesday and a Friday. Uh, and then again, short day on the, on the Thursday, just again to facilitate that to be mode. 
Hey, excellent. And maybe just for a few minutes to give the, the listeners a bit of context. Obviously, I know you can't go into what you do with your patients and clients too much, but, you know, and it, is there a typical, maybe that's not the right term, you know, maybe pull out a couple of like case examples so people, listeners can latch on to, you know, what osteopaths do. I know you, like you said, you've got your own version, your own vision of health. You're not just working with that hat on, you're working with many hats. But, you know, listeners who are maybe new to this profession, give them maybe a couple of like case examples and, and yeah, kind of yeah, so, spotlight into that. Yeah, so I suppose in terms of, the, say, like if we use like the like more integrated um, setup, um, let's say someone is booking in for a, for an osteopathic appointment, their expectation is, is very much about, you know, orthopedic and physical assessment. They want to be, you know, know what's going on you're trying to diagnose potentially what's causing it pain or stiffness or you know barriers to function for example and then it's my job to you know assess and, and, and educate and reassure you know perhaps the patient where they're at and that might start in a very um you know manual therapy remit you know uh, mobilization you know, manipulation um, assisted stretching things like that um, but very much what happens at that clinic is most patients come in with, you know, musculoskeletal aches and pains or recovering from a, a sports injury, for example. And I will always end up transitioning them into um, off the couch, you know, almost as quick as I can um, and then show them skills um, or strategies or ways to move that can help themselves. I, I'm very much with someone um, that wants to be able to empower people or my patients to be able to look after themselves i think sometimes if it's okay you have to see me next week they don't feel like they can do anything in that time i want them to have something that they can lean on or fall back on for example um whereas the other clinic will probably be a topic um in a sense of assessment and then it might stay very much in a, in a manual um sort of therapy remit with with some simple exercises for example but a lot of the stuff that I, I do outside of clinic, um, a lot of my sort of online nutrition and training clients at the moment. Um, interestingly, I've kind of seen to, I find behavioral models that are really interesting. That's probably the most interesting thing about nutrition for me. It's deeply personal. Everyone's got such an intimate relationship with food that all my nutrition clients I've, I've kind of set up um, working with a lot of females recently who have, who have either perhaps tried to lose weight or you know tried to do some sort of um, composition change in sort of a fitness industry uh, bubble and then they've developed disordered eating and perhaps got an unhealthy relationship with food and a lot of the, the sort of success stories that I've had with, with some, some people who have had like you know anorexia and bulimia and I've managed to help them so not only gain weight um, in terms of a health point of view, but also be free of food and get them to more importantly focus on performance. I've always felt that's the key with, with people who have struggled with food is sort of, you know, take the focus off what they're looking like and more about what they're doing and performing. Um, and then the, the, you know, the intent completely changes. So, you know, that it kind of spans quite broadly, but it could all, you know, physical therapy, exercise or rehab um it could be very manual therapy or it could be nutritional you know i can't do it do a bit of everything to be honest 
That's an excellent breakdown, mate. Really appreciate that. You broke up a little bit when you mentioned your online nutrition work. And just to be clear to the listeners, Tom was saying um, behavior change models. We You came back when you were talking about eating disorders, disordered eating, and obviously people's relationship with food and how you try and get them to focus on the performance side, um, which is a brilliant topic. So maybe if we stay on that again, mate, what yeah, yeah. what kind of tools, if we're delving in, you know, if, we're, if I'm being selfish here and thinking, right, what can I really learn from this experienced coach? You know, your toolbox sounds sounds full and deep and from the behaviour change side of things, what, what do you like to focus on? Do you get them to simply look at a kind of task management model? Are you looking at, you know, opportunities, motivation, capability? Maybe give the give the listeners a bit of a context of, you know, good, simple models that anyone can really benefit from because the, uh, yeah, the, the, the benefits people can get out of that kind of structure are, um, they're endless really, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. I think nutrition is one of these like very strange things, um, in terms of coaching, because almost, I'm sure you've experienced as well, like every single person you work with, it has to be different. (laughs) Um, So from a coaching point of view, in terms of your time, it can be quite hard, right? Because you have to personalize it. Um, But I still always think behavior will always trump all in terms of an initial success. We know that say like adherence to any diet, regardless of what it's really made up of, is probably going to be the key, right? Um, Almost using diet as a, as a word off the bat, we're kind of losing the point um, in my mind. It needs to be open and free. But my biggest sort of thing is with people is I, I try and work with them. And what I mean by that, other than an obvious way, is my, I love a, I love a food diary. I kind of use the first week when I'm working with people to not really change anything. I'm trying to learn, you know, their their natural inclination, their natural habits. What do they gravitate towards? What are the drivers for that? Is it you know, boredom, is it, is it, um, you know, a, a comfort thing, you know, what, 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 are the, why are we eating the way that we're eating, just in terms of physical structure, for example, um, and then I kind of springboard off of that, and, and that can be different for everyone, you know, sometimes people you know, don't eat any breakfast, for example, um, some people feel like they should eat breakfast, not because they're even hungry. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's just about kind of learning all of these things so we can set things up in terms of a bit of a hierarchy. So I always look to behavior first, like what's what's driving these eating habits, you know, the how and when and why, and, and then I kind of build off it. And that's where you kind of go down the rabbit hole a bit because you can learn a lot. You know, when I, I don't think education is enough sometimes. Um, I almost feel like, education um, around whatever their say problem is or their questions are about nutrition or their barriers to success for example um it it gets it gets difficult to sort of um sort of break it down um i kind of feel like i want to try and put this a bit easier because i want to kind of get the point across really easy um, do you mean like an accountability point of view or um, a support point of view or uh, you know there's different levels of motivation as well isn't it it's the they might have the what yes. but then it's their their kind of yeah, why it. but it, the why side yeah so like for example like it, it, it's, it rings true almost in strength conditioning physical therapy and nutrition education and, and having client or patient um, or athlete understand 
why they're doing what they're doing is the first part. Um, because a lot of the times, like, I know this is healthy for me, for example, but I don't know why it's healthy for me. I've been told I should eat this, but I don't really know why. Um, so I think education is the, is the basis, but it's never enough. They almost need affirmation. And I think that's where the, the role of the coach is really important. So if you've built trust or rapport, they respect you and, and they, they, they know you've spent the time investing into them. They invest into you. And when you're saying, look, here's the reason why, and here's the reason why I wouldn't be worried. They're still going to be worried. They just know you've just told them not to be worried, for example. Let's say it's for a, a weight loss type strategy. Um, and then the eight, you need to sort of support them in seeing the affirmation or the outcome of that and, and predict it for them. You know, I, I almost predict outcomes for people and that can be quite challenging. I don't want to put myself, you know, if it doesn't land on something or it doesn't exactly happen, but, you know, principles. Once they've seen the affirmation, then it's a, it's a rolling thing. And I find the, 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 the big hurdles is just kind of establishing that. And that's if therapy or nutrition is. It's education. They see it. They understand it. And they've tested it. And there's a positive outcome. And then it's like, okay, now we're going. And then the rest tends to be a bit easier. Um, they've kind of bought in to you or, or what that, you know, that confidence in terms of what you're trying to do. And I think that's the sort of skills sometimes with, with coaching in any capacity, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, excellent. So you take that, you take that kind of 30,000 foot view on their food diary, their um, habits, natural food patterns, which I like. So you kind of summarize that as physical structure. And then obviously the education, the how. So, you know, people listening to this, you've got, God, you've got so many good, you know, useful videos that are easy to obviously pause, rewind anytime you want, or just look back on Instagram and things on so many different topics. But then, like you said, the people that are actually working with you one to one, you're trying and testing a few things out until you get, you know, an outcome, maybe in a short term basis. And then I like that, you know, you get the ball rolling and people are uh, confident in themselves. And then you're there as the soundboard and you're also building an approach that, in the short term is working and then you can just start adding a lot more a lot more layers so and it's you know for people listening to this like you said there mate when when you're coaching nutrition you obviously want to build your client base but i find that my my best work is when i have more touch points with people which is obviously more of your time as a coach so how how do you find that in terms of um, what you offer do you do you have a lot of touch points with the 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 clients you work with or do you have like a variety of of services where people can kind of spend more time working with you or spend more time utilizing resources that you've made. I'm always interested to see what coaches are doing and what what yeah. you've, what you found works it's, for you. It's tricky because I think you know, like you know, the first glance at say um, finding any nutritional coach perhaps online, um, the first easy entry I think you know you're going to see is price is always going to be a driver factor, right? But mm. As we know, as coaches, or certainly if I think if you're a good coach, you, you really understand that you need to put time into someone. And that does vary, you know, depending on what knowledge they've come with prior, what experiences, you know, you know, if there's a, a medical problem or, you know, I said a bit more of a behavioral barrier. Um, but you'll always probably find, I'll give you a diet plan and I'll, and I'll catch you in a, you know, a week and we'll, we'll, we'll catch up then. And that's fine, um, but, but it's not what I want to do. Um, so for me, most of the time, uh, there's a, a very uh, large amount of initial input. You know, I'll, I'll spend, you know, a good 
three, five, six hours over the first, you know, two or three weeks probably with someone, um, you know, on Zoom or something like that to really kind of understand why, why you're here, what you're trying to do, you know, we've, we've just discussed. And then once they've got, I've really understood them and we've spent time, you know, I've identified a few that for me, perhaps the, the key barriers, I spend all that time to really give them a few things to think about and almost like a back to school nutrition uh, 101 in some ways sometimes. Um, and then it's a bit of a gentle handoff in a way. Uh, I offer sort of generalized support. I never want to feel, even with patients, I never want to feel they have to wait until their next appointment to ask me a question. You know, email me, it's fine, you know, or just drop me a, drop me a message. Uh, I've got no issues with that. Um, and then most of the time we get to a point where we just sort of touch base on a mutually agreed day, you know, once a week. Sometimes it's super simple um, and it could be quick email, quick update, a few voice notes, um, kind of you know, more of the same or small adjustments here and there. And then sometimes if there's, you know, clear, clear issues, then it's, you know, I'll jump on call and spend that time with them. I, um, I know for me that perhaps from a, you know, a, a business perspective, it takes a lot of time. Um, but I think you've always got to marry uh, in, in healthcare, um, you know, making sure that you're covered, you know, financially, we've all got bills to pay, right? But at the same time, you, you, it needs to sit with you and your values and you know I don't want to uh, sell my soul like that I'm doing it my way you guys do it like your way um, and that's fine I'll spend more time but I feel more fulfillment out of that people get get what they want out of it the results from it and most of the time I end up sort of keeping in touch with people long after I work you know because that's that's why we do it that's why I do it you know so that's kind of how I set it up yeah, the longevity. That's interesting. The relationships you build with people you end up working with, and on um, the same, if it's, you know, typically body composition related, that's one layer. But often, if there's some kind of event they've signed up for or something, you know, I tend to to get handed over, you know, from other colleagues and things, people that are starting, uh, you know, running for the first time or entering races, or some people at the extreme end where you know they're really trying to push their performance and and their day to day nutrition is in a really good place but then they might they might need a bit of support for the kind of pre and post exercise stuff like that and it's yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. you know you build you do yeah you do you build friendships which is fantastic and and those touch definitely. points and just getting on the phone and, and like you said voice notes and things like that um you know it's i often admit it to so many coaches that all, all roads to me sometimes do just lead back to a phone call or a whatsapp message and i think there's so many of these softwares out there now that well, maybe that's not the right word but you know things you can use apps and um you know ways to communicate with clients that are very techy um but still the people i tend to work with those you know those two streams are still king and yes okay you know voice 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 notes and things sometimes too and zoom zoom calls now obviously because everyone's working um more remotely and things but yeah those those touch points are massive i've got one this evening with a chap that we just decided to do 15 minutes weekly now over zoom it's a, you know slightly different than i'd usually do but we'll do six weeks together and, and that's been working mm-hmm. perfectly little touch yeah, points over it. time so yeah and i think i think things like uh, kind of reveal themselves to you over time as well you know you make an assumption when you work with someone sometimes that they 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 know why they behave the way they behave and then you're also throwing a lot of information at them as well 
So, you know, there's a steep learning curve. And then as they start to make connections, they go, oh, actually, you know, you mentioned that thing a few weeks ago, I've been thinking about it. And it leads to, you know, new revelations. And I think um, without that constant touch base uh, check-in, you don't really, you can miss those things. And while, okay, yeah, you can still reach a certain point, perhaps being a bit distant, I also know the value of health. And I think sometimes I know that, oh, I don't know, I still think when I leave you, you might fall back into this way or that way because we haven't quite perhaps um, addressed some of these other key areas. And I, I'm almost hyper aware of that throughout. And I make a point of, of really trying to make sure we tick those boxes before you know, we depart or, 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 you know, go down to sort of a little bit less frequent uh, in terms of check-ins and stuff. So again, that's a very individual by individual basis. It's not, it's a framework, but not a recipe. That, that makes sense. I, I have to personalise it a person. No, of course, mate, that's really clear. And it's brilliant. You've lifted the lid on how you work. And that's exactly why I wanted to get you on the show to hear about that. And I think the listeners will really enjoy that too. And it's a different style of people who, work with other people around their nutrition um, and the holistic health side of things too and maybe just mention a little bit around the was is it nutritional medicine nutrition medicine that you're doing a, a another postgraduate um course on mate so yeah be, so give me a bit of background to that because i think the listeners that's a new course probably for people listening and and probably for most performance nutritionists i've got nutritional therapists young practitioners you know performance nutritionists people working in sport and things listening so it'd be interesting to hear yeah. about your your um, experience with that course at the moment and, and what it's all yeah. about. Yeah, so essentially for me, um, you know, I, 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 my sort of first, um, in the beginning, you know, nutrition is very sort of um, simple in terms of the, the level perhaps that you understand. But again, being in an active environment, the sporting context, you kind of do pick things up, right? Um, then with my master's, um, clinical nutrition was, was two years as part of our, um, our degree. Um, so I, I kind of had my first look at nutrition for a clinical lens. So it's more about interventions in terms of perhaps, you know, disease states and modifications based upon medications and stuff like that. Um, so it was very much in that box. Um, and then obviously being in private practice and, once you've done some sort of um, degree or even a master's degree, you're quite self-sufficient in terms of being able to go away and find the research yourself, right? And be able to break things down. So when it was very performance-oriented nutrition, um, it was it's sort of easy to go away and find that, right? So then I was like, okay, well, uh, what can give me the most um, back? So I feel like I've kind of got those uh, skills. I'm sure there are people who understand that, you know, obviously to a greater extent than me, but I certainly have walked the walk myself as an athlete, but also the people I've worked with. So I feel like I've got a grasp on that. Um, but nutritional medicine is quite interesting for me because it has a slightly more medical lens. Now that has its cons, um, uh, because it can be, you know, almost too myopic, but, um, for me, the reason why I wanted to go down that route is, is actually because of private practice. Now, for example, if I saw someone in clinic with uh, some autoimmune mediated disease like, uh, or like let's say RA, rheumatoid arthritis, 
Sometimes there are those individuals where they live in a bit of a grey area, so they might have what we call undifferentiated autoimmune disease, so they don't have some of the markers that uh, predispose them to an inflammatory disorder, right? And I actually think a lot of people perhaps in some ways live in this grey area. Everyone's very, you know, you know, you can get like, you don't fit into a clinical box, but you sort of experience some little things sometimes. Um, and then when I've worked with patients in the past, and I've said, look, I just want you to maybe think about just going, you know, low carb for a little bit and just see how you feel. You know, some of these people are getting non-specific pins and needles and um, peripheral symptoms, and suddenly it's just gone. And you're like, oh, okay, you know, maybe there's something going on there. Or, you know, someone who is perhaps undifferentiated or immune, we, we gravitate towards a diet model that perhaps would support them in light of a, you know, inflammatory load perspective. And then 80% like better, you know, but um, don't technically have those markers. So that's why I kind of went down the nutritional medicine model was just to kind of gauge a bit more of a, a medical lens on it in light of my medical or clinical training, just to sort of marry that gap. Um, and to be honest with you, the biggest thing I've learned from it, this so far is actually about my clinical reasoning in some ways. I, I say the word clinical reasoning, but I think the way that you reason and how you make these interventions with people, whether that's physical, nutritional, or exercise, rehab, whatever, has really helped me try and refine things. I think sometimes you can have the best thing in the world, but it's okay, but for you, if there's A, B, C, and D, for example, as options, what ones do I think are a bit more important for you uh, right now? And then I kind of have used that as a, as a springboard and that's been really helpful. So um, I'm not as far through it as I'd like. Um, uh, I'm not going to uh, make excuses, but playing that soon is definitely taking the priority right now. So it probably will go on pause for a bit, but I'll, I'll definitely get it completely in the, the next couple. Yeah, of course. Well, you're a pretty busy man, to say the least, with your private practice. Yeah, your, yeah. your you know your nutrition coaching. Your um, you know, like you said, you're going to be a dad soon, and then anyone. Anyone who checks out the information I put in the show notes about you, mate, will see the um, incredible shape that you're in as well. You must have to train a little bit as well. So, <laughs> to say the yeah, least, I think I. Um... It's, a, it's a funny journey that though as well. Um, I was having a conversation with one of my my patients the other day. It's interesting how, you know, since since the idea of dad has come into the picture. I mean, I'm only 32, but yeah, you know, I was very much powerlifted, and you know, I did a. Um, just as a bit of context, I'm someone who's done like a, a 700 kilo uh, total in, in raw powerlifting, um, so like a 300 kilo plus deadlift and things like that. So I've been I've been bigger and stronger. Whereas nowadays I'm I'm very much like um, again with this, this sort of dad lens. It's just more playing into longevity now. So it's just trying to let go of a, a sense of ego, perhaps maybe jujitsu's killed that out of me. Um, but, you know, to sort of give up a sense of like, I need to sort of feel a certain size or a certain strength level. And very much now it's about, I just want to feel good. You know, I don't, I've got no interest in sort of chasing silly, silly weights past the point, right? If I can deadlift, say, 200 kilos, how strong do I really need to be beyond that? I don't know for what I need to do. So it's more about, you know, good quality work and, and sort of feeling good now. And, um, it's just I just want to be able to be to feel good and feel strong and feel able, uh, and I want to be able to feel that almost indefinitely. So um, it, it, again, it's completely changed my, my training focus, but I'm holding on to a little bit of size. I'm, I'm making it work. 
Yeah, exactly. I'd say I share a similar mindset in terms of moving into my thirties with my training. Uh, haven't, of course, haven't got a um, you know strength background like yourself, but just in terms of what you used to do and really chasing the performance side, just the the mental health side, the boost, the um, physically feeling, you know, feeling good, feeling feeling able is brilliant, and it's enough. I think it's us as men telling ourselves actually, you know, it's enough, and using exercise in that way is still brilliant and taking the time now that things are getting busier even busier for you soon when you've got you know your first child on the way um carving out time for exercise to enjoy it not just to have to you know try to push that total yeah, score so it. and for people it's listening mate, line, that um just quickly you mentioned the the lifting so there's three lifts involved isn't there you said deadlifting but for people that haven't got as much experience that's deadlifting bench pressing and and squatting isn't it you you add you add you add all those lifts together so when when you mentioned 700 odd kilos to put that into perspective lovely people that is uh yeah extremely strong adding those together it's it's unbelievable for to say the least yeah it's uh it's funny because i um yeah it's like a 250 squat broad just with the belt Uh, i think at the time I only did like 150 something on the bench and then yeah my deadlift was my my big my big lift I was known for being a big deadlifter but then since then you know having moved away from powerlifting I did I did get up to a point where I I pushed about 175 180 kilo bench press and uh, I maxed out my deadlift at 315 and then I just kind of fell into gymnastics and other things and just kind of let that go I suppose um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. Like, I feel like a box tick. I, I when I look back, um, sometimes people give me a bit of jip and like, oh, Tommy, you used to be strong and trying to stoke the fire in me. But um, yeah, I like, I like, I like to just sort of look back. And I think what you know, you mentioned about um, you know mental health things like that and stuff. I just to add to that, um, for me, because I've been physically active my whole life, it's something that's almost a part of my identity, and I, I. I'm not myself if I'm not doing some training, but I think that's true of everyone. I think people don't always appreciate that your physicality or your functionality is a part of who you are and how you express yourself to the world. And that is in varying degrees, right? But even if, say, it's like an elderly patient and they lose the ability to get up and down off a chair, like that has quite sort of powerful effects on who they feel like they are and their confidence and their physical confidence and things like that. So, yeah, I think I think your fitness and blends into your sense of self and blends into how you can be you in the world and I know it sounds a bit you know kind of hippie but I think if life feels easy you know you're feeling good right so of course yeah and there's levels to it like you said people just being able to get in and out of a chair um people giving up driving you know having conversations with grandparents and things about giving up driving and it's to a younger person you think wow you know it's safer for them to do that but actually the identity of them being able to get around, get out of the house, you know, you, you, you use their um, their perception, their vision, you know, their their decision making. So that is um, that's massive. And that can be in a powerlifting setting to a, um, you know, Brazilian jiu jitsu setting to, a you know, just being able to get off and off a chair and walk and drive. And it's all. Um, yeah, mate, that all makes definitely. sense. That all, you know, that all definitely makes sense. Um, so I think mate, I think at this stage it would be brilliant to. Um, to hear how people can keep in touch with you if if people want to reach out obviously if they've been inspired by when you know what you've said today and learning a bit more about yourself are there are there opportunities for any of the listeners to 
work with you one on one or have you got any anything you'd like to highlight you know before we before we wrap up today how can how can people keep in touch with you or you know see what you're doing online if there's anything coming up let us know yeah i suppose um sort of first and foremost if you're in the uh you know sort of oxfordshire region that's kind of where i'm operating in terms of um in clinic um but in terms of being able to you know run anything by me in terms of um you know questions you might have to anything that i've said today then probably uh social media wise is probably the easiest way to get hold of me so instagram uh my fitness account so i do have a personal account of cookies things separate um is uh sparks power fitness uh and to be honest during sort of lockdown what was it the first time 2020 mm. i did a big run of, of sort of educational videos it was easily about two and a half hours on there so you probably get a lot just from that and then yeah if you want to um touch base with me then yeah just drop me a message and i'm more than happy to to um oblige no it's brilliant and yeah it caught you in an exciting time as well um before you know you yeah have, yeah get, jump into family mode and then um obviously with all your all, all your um work and things like that and everything you're doing it's good that well, hopefully, fingers crossed, everything stays open and we can keep seeing people face to face. It's only a small part. Yeah, definitely. I'm only in seeing people a couple of times a week, but it, it makes a massive difference to, to what I do. And it sounds like the same as you as well. Just being able to get in front of people um, and, yeah, just talk to them about things they're doing face to face just makes a massive difference. Yeah, it's one of those things where like, technology is great, right? You can be more accessible. I've got, for example, some clients in, in Dubai, you know, and that's... That's amazing on Saudi, for example, and that and we have that ability to still work together. But at the end of the day, like you, you form, you do your best work in person. I think, I think it's a uh, everything to do to do with your health is a personal journey, and I think it should be personable with someone. Um, to be honest, hundred percent with you. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant place to finish it, lovely people. So that's fantastic. I'll put everything that Tom's spoken about in the show notes, all of his social handles. Um, I, I might grab a few more other little bits from him as well so you can get everything in there um, and just keep in touch with him really really open honest guy as I always say with people that I meet um, I just contacted him through Instagram you know he's given up a huge amount of his time today um, and for not only training nutrition um, the I think the kind of 360 on education content in terms of wellness well-being and, and things like that and then keep in touch with him 100% so thanks for listening to the show Please share it if you can, lovely people. It just helps grow the show, get more people listening to it. So um, take care and have a great week.